Hey, what's up, y'all? It's another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and with every episode here on Film Streak, what I like to do is watch some new movies and tell you a little bit about them. And these aren't necessarily new movies, new releases, but they're movies that I've just never seen before. And I like to think I've watched a lot of movies over my lifetime. And of course, there's always new stuff coming out. But there's also stuff that I've ignored and kind of put aside or maybe I've just never even heard of. And so this is a chance to really take that on and and find some new stuff and expand the horizons, you know? And uh, so that's the idea here. So if you're just checking it out, you're just finding this, thanks for dropping by and seeing what's happening here. If you want to find some other episodes, you can go to filmstreak.com. You can subscribe there. You can sign up to get new episodes just to your email. So you don't even have to use a podcast thing. Um, There's also a list of every single film that I've talked about, over 200 now. Uh, They're all in a list on IMDb, and you can go there and add them to your list. You can rate or review them. Uh, You can even see if they're available to watch somewhere streaming. Um, or if they're in the movies, you can even get tickets, you know, that it's, it's real useful like that, you know, in the meantime though, um, Hey, Valentine's day is here. And, you know, last, last year around this time I did an episode and I, I, this is probably around the time I started to kind of package every episode, all the films into a certain, uh, a certain theme. You know, I kind of picked up on like, oh, this might be a good way to do that, right? So here, uh, I, I wanted to do something similar. And actually, I had a whole different set of movies in mind. Um, but, you know, I realized uh, a few episodes back, I talked about a couple of Richard Linklater movies, uh, Waking Life and uh, Scanner Darkly. And, you know, I had a little bit of mixed feelings about those. And part of it had to do with the the animation of those, and then the the story and the subject matter. But I'll tell you, it made me realize, or, or at least um, remember, that Richard Linklater as a filmmaker, who has a really interesting way of putting his thoughts into characters and into stories, uh, I've, I've always enjoyed it, in one way or another. And so I remembered that there's a series of films that he did that I've never seen before that maybe might be his most recognizable films, like as, as his, he's probably got films that are more successful box office wise or whatever, but the before trilogy is really, I think a, a, a set of films that are distinctly link later films. And so that's when we're going to talk about this episode. And so we'll just kind of get the numbering and all that out of the way. Film Streak 203, 204, and 205, the Before Trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today, and we're looking for something fun to do. Sprechensie English? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, could we speak German for a change? Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay? Okay. Ring, ring. Pick up the phone. Uh, oh, hello? 
I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for lunch today. I'm sorry. I met a guy on the train, and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy? Probably. He has beautiful blue eyes, nice pink lips, frizzy hair. <laughs> I love it. I like to feel his eyes on me when I look away. You couldn't possibly know why a night like this is so important to my life right now. But it is. Since we're never going to see each other again, I don't think we should sleep together. Let's see each other again. I don't want you to break our vow. Just so you can get laid. <laughs> Men are lucky we don't bite off the head after mating. Certain insects do that, you know, like spiders and stuff. We at least let you live. So these films represent, I think, a really novel approach to telling a story like this. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that was the original intent was to do this this way. You know, the idea of telling a story about two characters and then 10 years later, picking up those characters and then 10 years after that picking up with those characters again I, you know i remember when before sunrise came out in 1995 and i thought it just from the outside it seemed like a pretty standard romantic drama or or maybe even romantic comedy um just based on like marketing and some of the things you might have seen about it and so i really didn't really pay too much mind to it you know now, when Before Sunset comes out, I, I remember thinking, oh, okay, wait a minute, there's a sequel to this. And at the time, it seemed like, was this a sequel that anybody really wanted? And that seems to come up every now and then with some sequels. And so, since I hadn't seen Before Sunrise all those years earlier, I didn't really feel a need to jump in at Before Sunset or even to go back and kind of you know pair them together. And so, I, you know, I feel like that's a little bit of, of a problem with how some films are marketed or even how they're released. And maybe, like I said, maybe it wasn't even the intention to do this with when the original film came out. I don't know. Looking back now with all three films in a row, it seems like this was very clearly the plan. And, I mean, you got to take into account also Richard Linklater did a really wild experiment in in a similar vein with Boyhood, which I also haven't seen, so that will be coming up someday, where he shot the film with all the characters and uh, uh, the actors playing those characters over the course of like a dozen years. And so you really get to see them grow and age on screen. And I think that that is something that when you take that into account before sunrise and, and this story of these two characters, it almost seems like it must've been the big idea. And of course you just got to get the first one off and see how it goes before you can ever really imagine following it up with another film. And then another after that. So look, let's, let's get into a little bit of what the, these films are about because on the surface, it's probably very simple. It's about two characters and their relationship that develops, and where it goes from there. So the story starts out in 1995. We meet Jesse and Celine, and they're on a train, 
going to Vienna and we don't even really see them first. We see a couple that's arguing, a married couple that's arguing and the couple gets up and storms off and Jesse kind of mentions to Celine, hey, what was that? You know, and they were trying to kind of piece together what was going on, what that argument was about. And from there, it really starts to kind of spin out into uh, these two people getting to know each other. You know, Jesse convinces Celine to get off the train, spend a little more time with him. He really likes talking to her and he's really not familiar with Europe and, and necessarily where he's going. And all this starts to kind of, you know, reveal itself as to why and how as they spend that evening together and basically through the night into the next morning, like they agree at some point, like, hey, we're just going to spend this one night, this, you know, hanging out and walking around the town, getting to know each other, seeing the sights. And that's it. We'll never see each other again. So let's make the most of it. Which there's a real, uh, there's an energy to that, that that is real, that is something that can be appreciated. And yet when the moment comes that they have to part ways, it is hard to do. And so that all is, the, that's very generally the outline of Before Sunrise. Now within all of that, these characters really dig into their thoughts and feelings about about their lives and their relationships and their ambitions. And, you know, I, I think one of the strengths of this film, looking back, at least from this point in time, from 2023, one of the strengths is that you see the youth in these two characters. I mean, you see it in the actors, but you see it in the characters themselves. Some of the things that they talk about, you know, it reveals a little bit about, in some ways, how green they are about some stuff. You know, they're young, they're maybe a little too idealistic, or maybe just too cynical. You know, they're, they're all over the place in some ways. Which is to be expected. I mean, you're when you're young, you don't really have it all figured out. Even though you can, you can look like and and sound like you do, but in reality, you probably don't. And I think that's one of the things that the film conveys. And maybe it didn't even know it was doing it, but looking back on it now, and these actors, the, these characters, these are really people that are, for me at least, these are people that are my generation, my age. And so it makes me look back on that time in my life where, uh, where maybe I sounded like that. Maybe I acted like that. And I know I didn't have it figured out. And it's an interesting reflection. It's an interesting exercise to look at these characters and the things that they're talking about and figure out where you are in that. You know, they're not necessarily playing types, but they kind of tilt in some of those directions sometimes you kind of get the sense oh well Jesse is the young cynical american who really just you know is put off by everything and kind of has like a whatever attitude or you know you could look at Celine as she's a little bit too idealistic and and in some ways maybe a little too um prudish and and yet other times it doesn't. It, other times they're very they they kind of really go back and forth, and it's it it makes it a little hard to nail down who exactly they are as a type. 
which is fine. That's probably more realistic. I'd rather see people who are complicated and conflicted and not really put together completely. And so I think that's the real strength is, you know, the, the sense of these are two real people. They don't always say the thing that they feel, and they don't always necessarily say the thing that makes sense for something they might have said previously. And I, I just think that that is where you see someone at that point in life and it rings true. Now, when we get to the technical aspect of it, this film really does some things that I did not see coming at all. And, you know, you could make this a film just about two people talking. And it is just a film about two people talking, really. But there are some things in this film that are, uh, at least in terms of filmmaking technique, they are subtle, but also... Like if you're paying attention and you realize what's happening, there's a lot of work that's going into this film. It never really stands out enough to where you uh, are taken out of the moment or taken out of the story, but it's there, you know, and there are some great long unbroken scenes with these two characters talking, which it's one thing if they're sitting at a table or they're sitting in a restaurant, but there's scenes where they're walking for minutes and they're trying to find their way around, or they're just kind of wandering through the city. There's a scene where they're on like a, I think it's a bus or a trolley. And I mean, that is not something to easily coordinate and make happen because you've got an entire vehicle in actual city traffic with real people around. And I imagine that's something that for the actors, you have to be in the moment. You have to be prepared. You have to know exactly what you're going to do and and how you're going to say it and how you're going to feel and look and all of those things. There's no bailing on that. And so when you take all that into account, like these really are interesting classes in filmmaking and that applies it really applies to all three of these films there are moments and sequences in all three of these films that really work that way and it's quietly impressive so listen here's the deal this is what we should do you should get off the train with me here in vienna and come check out the town what come on it'll be fun all right i think of it like this um uh jump ahead 10 20 years and you're married. Only your marriage doesn't have that same energy that it used to have. You start to think about all those guys you've met in your life and what might have happened if you picked up with one of them. Let me get my back. Nine years ago, two strangers met by chance and spent a night in Vienna that ended before sunrise. They are about to meet for the first time since. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're here. Well, I live here in Paris. I wanted to talk to you for so long, you know. Then <laughs> yeah, now, me too. How long do we have? Twenty minutes and thirty seconds. No, Let's we got, go. <laughs> we got more than that. Now they have one afternoon to find out if they belong together. 
I remember that night better than I do entire years. Do you look any different? I do. I'd have to see you naked. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on that boat. Come on, it'll be fun. You don't have time. Oh, God, why don't we exchange phone numbers and stuff? Why don't we do that? Past is the past. It was meant to be that way. What? You really believe that? I have these dreams. I'm in the car, and a buddy of mine is driving me downtown, and I'm staring out the window, and I think I see you. What does it mean, the right man? The love of your life? The concept is absurd. The idea that we can only be complete with another person is evil, right? I'm just happy to see you, even if you've become an angry, manic-depressive activist. I still like you. I still enjoy being around you. Now, when we get to Before Sunset, we pick up with these characters 10 years later. And Jesse has apparently written a book sort of loosely based on his experience in the first film. And it's been successful. He's on a book tour and he's in France. I think he's in Paris. And uh, who shows up at one of his book signings? Celine. And it surprises him. And it surprises us, but at the same time, we're kind of glad to see it, you know? It's interesting that the way it's played in in Before Sunset is that the two characters, as they meet again, and as they find a little corner to talk for a minute, and then they eventually, they kind of roll out into the city and spend a little more time before he's got to, I think he's got to catch a plane. You know, they, they pick up their conversation, their banter. I mean, as if we never left them. As if time, all that time had never passed. And it'd be something if it were a film that was made a year later or a couple years after the first. But here we really are coming to these characters after a gap of like nine or 10 years. And a little bit of it is catching up. It grows and it becomes more of what they are seeing in life now, like what they are experiencing and then what they might see ahead of them. Even their feelings toward each other and how they may or may not have changed over time. And, you know, without getting into all the specifics, I mean, there are very clearly some mixed feelings about that night 10 years earlier and even this day that they've met again and then what happens afterwards. And so from a storytelling point of view, it's it's great to see the characters back again and to pick up where their lives have taken them. And maybe the reasons why. But it's also intriguing to see like what's going to happen next. It does end a little bit abruptly for me. Uh, I, I feel like we kind of understand where these two characters are by the end of it. But I don't know if we really get a, a good answer as to where we're going next. And Before Sunrise had the advantage of being the first and possibly only part of this story. So it was able to end in a way that closed it off. 
you know, in in the instance that we never see Jesse or Celine again, it at least let them have their moment. And they part ways, and then we kind of watch their story, uh, kind of you know just dissolve into the ether. And we'll never know what happened to these two characters again. And now, when we regroup with them ten years later, we go through the the uh, the moment of reacquainting ourselves and then seeing what they are doing and what they maybe still want to do with their lives. I, I just, I, it feels like the end of that has to be a little more decisive and clear than what is actually in the film. Like it just seems to be a little bit open-ended, a little bit vague and maybe that's on purpose. Maybe the idea there was, well, we are definitely going to follow up with these characters again. So we're not necessarily going to commit too strongly to what happens today. Oh, we said we were going to stop. They wanted to see the ruins. Yeah, but should we wake them up? No. You know what let's do? On our way back to the airport, we can catch them. Hmm? You know we won't. Yeah, probably not. Okay. And how did you two meet? We met about 18 years ago. We kind of... Sort of fell in love. And a decade later, we ran into each other. No, no, no. You wrote a book, and I read about it and went to look for it. Oh, that's pretty romantic. If we were meeting for the first time today on a train, would you start talking to me? Would you ask me to get off the train with you? Of course. Well, this place is so full of thousands of years of myth and tragedy, and I thought something tragic was going to happen. It's still there. It's still there. Go on. You never stop ogling girls. Like I don't ogle girls. I make love to them with my eyes. Oh, wow. I'm stuck with an American teenager. I feel close to you. Yeah. But sometimes, I don't know, I feel like you're breathing helium and I'm breathing oxygen. What makes you say that? I wanted you to say something romantic and you okay? okay. You are the mayor of Crazy Town. Do you know that? You are. This is how people start breaking up. Oh, my God. I assure you, that guy you vaguely remember, the sweet romantic one that you met on a train, that is me. Why am I finding myself yes. so attracted to this woman? <laughs> now, speaking of when we catch up with them, when we get to before midnight, we're really jumping ahead. And I don't mean jumping ahead in time. I mean, we are, we're jumping 10 years, but we're jumping ahead in what has happened to these characters. Like they've really gone through some significant changes in their lives. You know, and before sunset, we see that Jesse, by him telling us he's married, he lives in New York, and Jess, uh, Celine is kind of busy with work. And she's really proud of the work she's doing. It's really taken her places. And so they've kind of gone in different directions, not just in terms of their lives, but their careers and their families and, and what what is happening there. Now, when we get to before midnight, of course, a lot has changed. And it turns out, Jesse and Celine, they did get together. And Jesse did eventually divorce his wife. He has a son from that marriage. But now with Jesse... And Celine together, now they have uh, twin daughters. And it, 
This is where I think Before Midnight really stands a little bit above Before Sunset, because I think it better illustrates how much can happen in 10 years, like how much someone's life can change. You know, Before Sunrise, these two people, they're young, they don't have any obligations, they don't have any real connections to things, nothing holding them back. And then before sunset, they're a little bit of both. They're a little bit free still, but they've got some things that they're kind of obligated to now. And when we get to before midnight, oh, that that whole sense of like freedom and devil may care, let's roam the earth, that is all pretty much gone. You know, we do catch up with them on vacation. They're in Greece and they're enjoying, uh, I think, a week-long vacation there. and. There is a sense like this is not normal for them. This is not their daily life. And yet a lot of what they talk about and a lot of what they're dealing with is the trappings of of their regular life, whether it's Jesse concerned or just struggling with his son or or just the custody of his son and his ex-wife and what that all, the stress that that brings him. Or if it's Celine feeling like she's doing so much for him, for their kids, and her career, and all of these things are pulling at her, and it's starting to kind of come apart. There's so many things that feel like real, uh, real adult concerns that really start to pop up in Before Midnight. It weren't so much in the previous two. And I can say, at least from you know the point in life that I'm at, this feels the more real story now. Like we're really digging into not just how these characters um, enjoy each other, but we're seeing how they deal with the struggle of actual life. And so, you know, if if you look back now, you look at all three films. I mean, there's a real there's a real sense in Before Sunrise that this is a film about young love and about freedom and about just expressing yourself and exploring ideas and exploring emotions. And even as these two like are just magnetically drawn to each other, that it it really depicts what that's like to to get caught up in in the moment and you know, to get lost in someone's eyes and to lose that sense of reality and practicality, you know, like, let's just turn this corner and see what's around it. You know, let's go down this road and see what's over there. And I, I feel like that's something that it's hard to capture. It's hard to recreate, but it's hard to even capture because it's so internal. It's so, it's so much what one's perspective is, but to be able to convey that and to show that that's, that's really a part of before sunrise. And a lot of it has to do with the performances and, and just the way that it's done. You know, the, the two characters that we follow through all three of these movies, you know, so much of their dialogue, so much of what they say, it feels natural and it feels spontaneous and it doesn't feel 
it doesn't even feel written in some parts. I mean, there are certainly monologues and scenes where I think they start to go into like screenwriter speak where it's, you can feel the, I say the author, but you can feel the writers really poking through and saying what they want to say versus what these characters would say, or even just the way they would say it. There are some filmmakers that, that write for their characters, what they want to say, not what the characters would necessarily say, which is fine. It's a little bit of a stylistic choice, but when you recognize it, when you see it and it jumps out at you a little bit, it's hard to, it's hard to look past it sometimes. For instance, let's say someone like a Tarantino, right? All of his characters speak in that way, really. Now, the, the inflection and, the, and the, the tone of how they say the things, sometimes that's a little more natural and feels more organic, but the words and even the rhythm sometimes, it's definitely Tarantino's voice. But here, like these characters, at least in most of Richard Linklater's films, they feel very natural. They feel like very real people. And only when it dips into talking about, you know, th- here, this is the problem I had with um, with A Waking Life, is all of those characters in just about every scene said things that people don't say. And they talked about them in ways that people don't really talk. I, it's kind of a, it's a very thin line to distinguish what feels right and what sounds right. And I think that's where this film, for the most part, it feels right. It's all over once in a while. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like how people actually talk. It feels like it. it feels natural. But some of the words, I feel like people would be searching for that a little more in a real conversation. And maybe that's for the sake of filmmaking and for telling the story is like, we can't have someone explore and try to figure out what the hell they're trying to say for 15 minutes. Like this is a two minute scene, you know, I get that. And that's a lot of rambling. Of, that's me trying to figure out what the hell I'm trying to say about how these stories and how these characters are, are just a, a, a great example of how to convey a real human connection. And when it comes to the story of their their relationship and how that changes and grows and even you know as we get into before midnight how it starts to come apart. You know, if you've had experiences like that, uh you know that some of this is very real and sometimes it's it's heartbreaking. Sometimes it's exciting and it just runs the range of emotions. So for me, I mean, all of these films, they really do work on that level. I mean, I was with these characters and I really was interested to know what's going to happen with them next. And, uh, I can't say that I expected that, you know, I didn't really get that the first one, I didn't get the draw of the first film. And when sequels were starting to come out over the years, uh, I didn't really even understand why there were sequels. 
And so now that I've seen all three of these films, and maybe because I've seen them back to back, but I can say that, yeah, I enjoyed this type of story that was trying to tell and even the way it was told. So, you know, I think the strength of these films is not that it's about two characters necessarily going through this relationship and and us just following them through this relationship. I mean, that is the core of it. That is, for better or worse, that is the plot of these films. We're just watching what happens to these two people. But even bigger than that, and maybe more importantly than that, is we're watching these two people tackle bigger things, bigger concerns, bigger struggles in life. And some of them are very important to them day to day. Some of them are more, uh, you know, bigger, broader scope kind of concerns that may or may not impact them in their daily life. You know, if we're talking about, you know, Jesse is always someone who has creative ideas or at least believes that his ideas are, are good and important and relevant. And so we get a sense that this is someone whose mind is always kind of going. He's always up for a gag. He's always kind of willing to go on a flight of fancy. And in some ways that is a big that is a big part of moving through the world. And so we get to see a lot of those things brought through his lens. You know, whether they're talking about life or death or love and hate, they're talking about um, friendships or family, you know, all the things that we go through in life, they, they get touched on here and there throughout these films as these characters either consider them or struggle with them. It, it, it's important to understand like this is not just about these two people. It is about all of us. And some of us may come down on one side or the other, but at least the arguments are being presented. You know, the, the conversation is being had. You know, as we get into the later movies, there's start to talk about marriage and children and and family and aging and careers and, and what all those things mean. By the time we get to Before Midnight, it's more, and, and maybe this is why this film sticks out a little stronger with me at this point. It's more about reflecting and it's about the passage of time and, uh, you know, what happens if your ambition fades, uh, what happens if your passion is lost, you know, which all, these things all happen. And maybe you don't even recognize it's happening. And I think that's part of the power of these films is pointing out things that are probably happening to you in the moment. And unless you really stop and look and pay attention or talk to someone who can point it out to you, you may not even notice that. It's just, it's just part of the grind. And before you know it, 10 years have passed. And what has happened in 10 years? How much has changed or how much has not changed? And when you get to 20 years down the road, how much did you miss? How much did you grab for? I think that's really the the interesting part of this film that 
it's not really on the surface. You really got to read between some of the lines. This is about how we all move through life and, you know, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's on our own or whether it's in our careers, uh, there's so much that can happen that if we don't pay attention, we don't stop, look around, we can miss it. I think uh, by the time we get to the end of the story, which I presume at this point, I presume is the end of the story. I don't know if there will ever be another film. Possibly. It seems like these are all kind of nicely wrapped up in a trilogy now. So by the time we get to Before Midnight, the end of it, you know, we even have, uh, there's a point where Jesse's grandmother dies and these characters have to consider what that means. You know, what that means to them losing someone and what that means to that person even and what life meant to them. And, you know, there was a point where, as I was watching these films, I wondered, like, does does this story and do the things that these characters are talking about, do they really relate to people from other generations? You know, these, these two characters really are the Gen X uh, generation. You know, they're, they're in that age group that I relate to very distinctly. But the generation before me, my parents, would they relate to a story like this? Or even uh, like a, a millennial age person or, or uh, even a generation after that, like my kids, would they relate to this kind of story? Would they relate to these characters? I don't know. There are some things about, let's say, our world today in 2023 that these characters completely ignore. My personal take on it is these characters are talking about the things that matter. A lot of the things that we are maybe confronted with in society today about, um, uh, here I am about to get myself in trouble about so much uh, so much uh, inclusion and so much awareness. I, I think these characters don't go down those roads. One, because it wasn't a thing when these films came out. And two, it's honestly not that important. That's not to say those things aren't important at all. But we're talking about even bigger subjects here. This film takes on even bigger deals than that. That applied still to everybody. And I'm sure there is some, some uh, faction of, of the audiences that would see this film today and be like, oh, these, these people don't understand like different lifestyles and they don't understand. I, you know, that's not what this film is about. This film is about two people and their point of view on this, which happens to sometimes align with most people's point of views, not always, and sometimes in total opposition. But it's about having the conversation, whether you're on one side or the other. That's the important thing. And even looking at it from that point of view, it's like this story of these two people, I mean, it does reflect a lot of how real life can work, especially in a relationship. When it becomes like a dance, I mean, there, there are certain things that 
your partner or the person across from you, they move a certain way, you have to move in reaction to that. Now, you could move against that or you can move with that, whatever, your choice. But whatever your move is will dictate what happens next. Right? And that's a lot of what this film does. It really shows these two characters working with each other and sometimes working against each other. And we just kind of watch where it goes. I just think that's a really interesting metaphor for how life can work. It's not easy. It's not always obvious or clear what you have to do or what should be done. But you have to do something. Things will happen. Things can happen to you or you can make things happen yourself. Right? So, I, I, you know, we're getting way into the clouds with this, I guess. But uh, I just feel like these films, they can hit you on so many different levels. But you got to be with it. You got to pay attention. You got to connect in some way with these characters. If If your sense of this film is that it's just kind of boring, it's just about two people talking about random things which was my original impression. I wish I would have seen these films when they came out. That's what I can say now. And so on that note, I recommend you see these if you haven't and watch them, pay attention, connect with these characters, connect with these ideas, whether you agree with them or not, acknowledge them, think about them, consider them and take from it what you will. So that's what I have to say about this pretty remarkable set of films that um, went ignored for far too long by me. And so if you haven't seen them, find a way to see them. Um, I was able to see them all uh, in different places. Uh, I do know that Criterion put out a box set of these on Blu-ray. So that might be a, a nice package um, especially if you're into the Criterion Collection, go get that. Otherwise, I, you know, the only thing I could say is that I'm interested. I'm I'm curious to know if there will be a fourth film someday, and what that looks like. Because as much as we see these characters go through in these three films in their twenties and thirties and forties. I mean, I can tell you now that there is life after that. And I've already been through some of it. I'm going through some of it now. You have kids, those kids grow up. You have parents, those parents leave you someday. And so I'm interested to know, actually, what these two characters, how they take on those parts of life. Will we ever see that? I don't know. But it's, it's interesting to consider. All right. So, hey, look at that. Man, one episode knocked out three films in a row all together at the same time. How do you feel about that? Thank you for listening. Thanks for checking out this episode of Filmstreak. Go to filmstreak.com. You can find some other episodes there. If you want to get, uh, if you want to subscribe, you can get episodes in Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, I feel like Spotify is where most listeners are, are finding this from what I can tell, 
that's cool. Um, there's also Google Podcasts and whatever the other places are. Uh, you can also just sign up. You can get the episodes straight to your email. You don't even have to use a thing for podcasts. You know, if you're if you're old school like that, you know, if you're OG, you like email. I I can do that too, and it's free. Don't cost you nothing. And that's the other thing. You know, just, hey, remember, there's no ads here. We're just talking about movies. We just enjoy movies. It's all free. So go go do that. Go sign up for that. And don't forget, you can get the list from IMDb. It's got all the films. 205 now. It's a lot of films. Some of them you might have seen. Some of them you, you probably haven't. And um, go check that out and see what you think. All right. So that's it for me. Um, I enjoyed these films a lot. So I hope you did too. And uh, I'm going to go watch some more new ones. Talk to you later. <laughs>